welcome to the old downtown Harbor Church, everybody, where the only thing worse than the coffee is the announcements. Was that not a rough day today? Goodness sakes, so that was brutal. Anyway, um, so I'm Adam. I'm the lead communicator here. Welcome. Um, I just want you to know that it is about to be summertime, so I have broken out the pattern floral collection. I hope you enjoyed the lemons. I got the birds of paradise, the kiwis coming, so buckle up for the next couple of weeks. No, I'm just really uh, glad that you're here. We'd like to have some fun around here. Hey, we are in week three of a four-week talk conversation series, whatever you want to call it or refer to it as, called Lawless. And we've been taking a look at this book in the scripture called the Book of Galatians, okay? And what I want to do is I want to make sure that we kind of take a second and kind of emphasize how important the last couple of weeks are, because this series kind of builds on each other. So I'm going to do my best to my, of my ability to kind of catch you up if you're new around here, or maybe you didn't hear the last couple of weeks. But if you do want to catch up, all of those um, messages, our, they are on our website at soflowchurch.com under the media tab. You can catch up on week one and two if you want to. This is week three. As I said, we are smack dab right in the middle of the book of Galatians. And this book is a book in the ancient scripture that is so cool and so powerful. And why I think it's so important for us to kind of look at it together as a church, because this book, the book of Galatians, actually almost represents the DNA of downtown Harbor Church. Some of us who've been around here for a while might have even heard some of these things before. But if you're new around here, you're probably like, man, I wonder what this place is all about. What are these folks doing there in the museum? And so today, it really is going to help us have perspective and understanding and to dive in to kind of why we're doing what we're doing here at Downtown Harbor Church. But first, let me tell you about the Galatians. These group of people that were called the Galatians, the Galatians were some of the earliest followers of Jesus. So Jesus, who we believe is the resurrected Messiah, who came to earth and he said that he was who he said that he was, he said he was the Messiah they've been waiting for, then went and predicted his own death and resurrection, and rose again in a movement rooted in love. These were some of the earliest followers of Jesus and that movement. They were a very early, early on church. And the book of Galatians, furthermore, is actually a compilation of letters. It's a compilation of letters written by Paul. Put that name in your mind for a little bit. A guy named Paul to this early church. Let me tell you a little bit about Paul for a second. Paul was of the old way for a long time. In fact, when Jesus showed up on the scene, Paul was what they would call an Israelite or a scholar, a Pharisee, someone who would have known the law inside and out, and he was not happy that Jesus had showed up on the scene with this new movement, this new love your neighbor as yourself movement. In fact, Paul was so mad that he hunted down and persecuted the people who would call themselves followers of Christ, followers of Jesus. But then something happened one day. Something happened where Paul had an experience where he encountered Jesus on this road, this road called the road to Damascus. And Paul himself became a follower of Jesus in that moment. Furthermore, Paul became one of the most famous Christians of all time. He wrote over half of the New Testament in the ancient scripture. So Paul, it's so important for us to understand who he is and the context for how he fits into the history of Christianity. So if these Galatians lived in this town called Galatia, to give you some perspective, where is that in modern times? Where was this early church beginning? Where was this early church starting? We did some research, and in fact, it said that the town of Galatia is right here in kind of the northwest corner of the country of modern day called Turkey. And you might have some perspective for where this is if you've ever been to Italy or Romania or Bulgaria. It's actually really kind of close to that region. And so it's in the northwest corner of modern day Turkey. So that just kind of sets me up for what 
I'm going to talk about today and how we're going to dive in to the book of Galatians today. But before we do, I want to talk about something else as we kind of dive in here. Because every single person in this room, whether today is your first time inside of a local church or not, right, you already have something. You already have a church experience. And I want to talk to you today for just a brief moment about your church experience and your experience in the local church. Because what we found is, is that a lot of people's experience with the local church has not been extremely positive. In fact, as we launched Downtown Harbor Church about 18 months ago, some of the folks that we talked to over and over again continue told us why they didn't attend church and what that didn't look like. And so what I want to do is before we begin, I want to tell you about my experience with the local church because I think that's important for you to understand who the guy, you know, where the guy in the lemon shirt went to, right, for to church, okay? And so when I was a kid, I grew up in the local church. My parents had taken me to a fairly traditional church and we had gone ever until I was probably about age nine. And then we tr transitioned to a different non-denominational non congregation. And I actually started volunteering in the local church. I was a small group leader for kindergarten and first grade boys. And I kind of rose up to become a staff member there and helped become the kids director and develop a really cool program. And then I transitioned to another local church and here's what I want to tell you about everything in my church experience thus far in my life. And I want, maybe you can resonate with this. Even though I loved the local church and was so passionate about it, nothing that I had experienced or was experiencing in the local church was actually lining up with the words of Jesus. In fact, I was finding out that the local church itself was putting barriers in the way of people who needed this big, massive God in their life to get to know that God. Let me just give you a quick example, right? So you know, like if you have kids or teenagers or you have nieces or nephews and you've been around and they're using different language in this day and age that you don't understand and you're going, what does that mean, right? I don't even, like somebody said bam the other day and I was like, that's new, like when did that come in, right? We're going beyond emojis now, which is kind of exciting too. But so here's the thing that I wanna tell you. There are some languages that we don't really understand. Well, there has been a language for some length of time that I didn't even understand, and I worked at a local church. It was a barrier for me, and it was called Christianese. Okay, maybe some of you have heard about this in Christianese. It's basically words that like people in the local church use and should know, but nobody has any idea what those mean outside of those who are a part of the local church. It almost makes people who aren't a part of a church feel like an outsider immediately. So we don't use any of those words around here. But when I was at my last place, this was one of the things that I sat down in one of my first early meetings, early onset. I'll never forget, someone said this phrase, do you want, and they were talking to a parent, do you want Want to raise your child in the admonition of the Lord. And I was like, I got my phone and I was like, let me go to the dictionary.com, admonition. Dictionary.com couldn't even find it. It had to go to ChristianDictionary.com to like find this word. And I found out, I finally found out like what it meant and I didn't know. And sure enough, at my last place, which I love those folks, but here's the deal. I had a boss and his name was Terry. Okay. And I love Terry. He's an amazing guy. We still keep up to this day, but we were in a meeting and someone said this, they said this phrase and I'll never forget it. They go, should the Lord tarry, we will meet again next week. And I turned back around and I forget him. I go, is he talking about you? Like I didn't, I didn't know what these people were talking about. And they were using language that I was just like, it was a barrier for me. And I worked there. And I was like, one of the things that we said was, I, we're never going to do that at Downtown Harbor Church because we want to create less barriers. And I'm going to talk about that in just a little bit to meet people right where they're at. But that was a barrier for me. And a lot of times... We hear from people that there are barriers, and when those barriers exist inside the local church, it makes them resist 
the local church. And that broke my heart enough that we launched this about 18 months ago. And here's what I want you to know. If you've been there or you're there right now because I've been there, here's what I want you to know and understand. Most of the things that you resist about the church, most of the things that you go, I don't want to be a part of that, most of the barriers that have been put in place are the things the church should resist about itself are the things that the church should take away so every single person can follow the command of Jesus because he commanded us to go out and make followers of everybody, not just those who are like us or who agree with us or who understand our language. They are the things that the local church should resist about itself. So I started to ask myself another question as I write this, these things. I always ask my questions about this. I said, okay, If Jesus was here and he proved that he was who he said that he was, and then he said, go love other people, this movement rooted in grace and peace and restoration and redemption and all things new here and in the next life, why? This was the question I asked myself. Why doesn't everybody in America go to church? Why is the local church dying? Why is this pure, amazing movement rooted in love not relevant anymore? I don't know if you know the stat. But about 80% of teenagers, when they graduate high school, walk away from the local church, and some of them never come back. Why? Why is this? It's because I believe that what happened in Galatia, and what the Galatians started to do, has trickled down throughout history. Because the church of today, you know what they've done? They've created Old Laws 2.0. Now, stay with me for a second so I can unpack this. The Old Law is something that the ancient Israelites did to get close to God or to show honor to God before Jesus arrived on the planet. Okay, so you kind of have the old over here, and there was a way that people got close to God. The ancient Israelites got to know God, and then Jesus showed up, and it was all brand new. I'm going to talk about that. But during the old law, the ancient Jewish people had to follow these Jewish regulations. They had to follow all of these laws, laws that not only Moses, you might be familiar with, him, Ten Commandments guy, came down off of the mountain with this tablet to present the laws to the people, but that wasn't good enough. They made more. In fact, they made 613 laws that the people had to follow, and when they did, they were going to be as close to God as they could be if they followed all of those laws. And for the last couple of weeks, I have put a couple of these laws on the screen each week just to take a look at them and to take a look at what you might think of them and what it would look like to follow after these things. Here's one, Leviticus 29, okay? It says, cursing your father or mother. This one I wouldn't do. Like, I just wouldn't do this one because I've never seen, like, anybody, like, give, the, give their mom the bird and it goes well, right? Like, I just wouldn't do this one. That's a bad idea, right? Stay away from this one, okay? But it's true. This is one of the laws. This one I had never heard before. As much as I've studied the scripture, I must have glossed over this one, but I love it, right? Going to church or the temple within 66 days of giving birth to a girl. That was one of the laws. Leviticus 12, 5. It was only 33 days if you gave birth to a boy. That shows you where men and women were culturally in terms of this culture of the time. In fact, we have a couple at Downtown Harbor Church. They just gave birth to a little baby girl uh, probably about three weeks ago. And we were over at their house the other day just saying hey to them, congratulations. And I said to them, the message is done for Sunday. And according to this, you guys can't come for a couple of months. They laughed. I said, the old law is gone. And so anyway, but here's the deal. With the old law and the things that the ancient Israelites had to do, right? It was complicated. There were so many of them. But I'll tell you this. The arrival of Jesus signaled the end of the old way and the beginning of what? The new way. 
The arrival of Jesus signaled the ending of the old way. All this old law was now gone and the beginning of the new way. In fact, Jesus said, hey, you religious leaders who think you're sacred, you're not sacred anymore. You people who think that the temples are sacred, they're not sacred anymore. Do you want to know what's sacred? Look to your right and to your left. That's what's sacred. The people in your life are the most sacred thing that you could ever, ever understand or imagine. And so people were like, hey, Jesus, what do you mean? We've been doing this for so long. Do you, do, are you really telling me that we're getting rid of all the law? And of course, as he did always, he flipped it on its head. He flipped everything on its head when he said in the book of Matthew chapter 5, if you have a scripture, you're welcome to open it or check it out on your mobile device. But if not, it'll always be on our screens here at DHC. He said this. He goes, no, 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 guys, guys, don't misunderstand why I've come. I did not come to abolish the law of Moses or the writings of the prophets. I came to accomplish their purpose. In me, all this has been fulfilled. I am the one you've been waiting for. I am the Messiah. I am here to fulfill the law. What does that mean? That's why we at Downtown Harbor Church just sit around and have conversations about this because we pick it apart and think through it every single week and every single day. But here's what I know. Related to the old law and it being wiped away and Jesus, the new movement who was here, Let's go back to the church in Galatia, because the church in Galatia was getting this wrong. What they were trying to do was they were trying to sprinkle a little bit of the old law back in. They were trying to sprinkle a little bit of the old way back into the new way, and that doesn't work. And so what happened was, is there was a group of people, right, indicating to others, this is so key, don't miss this, there was a group of people indicating to others that they could not follow Jesus unless they were what? Circumcised, part of the old law, part of the old way, okay? If you are a teenager in this room, go home and ask your parents what this means because I am not explaining it to you from this stage, okay? Don't Google it on the museum Wi-Fi either. We have an agreement with them. All right, so here's the deal. They, they were making people go, hey, listen, if you are going to be a part of this new movement, you got to go back to the old way a little bit. There's a problem. Jesus never said any of that. He said, the new is come and I am the new. And in Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, Paul addressed this church in Galatia sternly. Look at the language that he was using here. So Christ has truly set us free. Let me pause for just one second before I go on. If you are a Christian in this room and you've said yes to following after Jesus, right? And you do not feel freedom in your life. If you do not feel free of anything then you are doing something wrong because faith in Jesus should set us free and make us right. And that's it. And if you're not in this room, that's totally fine. Over the course of time, you might learn and grow here. And we want you here. That's why we're doing Downtown Harbor Church. But now make sure you stay free. Guys, you're free. You don't got to go back. And don't get tied up in, he uses this word, which is so powerful, in slavery to the law. One of the most barbaric forms of treatment of any human being in history. And he uses that word to describe the old law. Talk about powerful. He goes, listen. He goes, use an exclamation point. I, Paul, tell you this. If you are counting on circumcision to make you right with God, then Christ will have no benefit to you. Circumcision can't do it anymore. I know that was the old covenant. I know that was the old way, but it won't make you right anymore. Now, let me tell you something about this act, okay? Paul was not against circumcision. 
Don't, don't misunderstand this. Paul was not against the act of circumcision. Paul was a Jewish man, which means in the old covenant, he would have been circumcised. Jesus and his followers were Jewish people, which means related to the old covenant that they would have been circumcised, right? Some of you might have participated in this ritual called circumcision. Maybe I, in fact, if you've done that, would you just go ahead and just, I'm just kidding, don't. Guys in the front row, I mean, just, you don't, it'd be the end of you, okay? We don't need to think about that, right? Okay. But he was not against circumcision, okay? But circumcision represented something, the old covenant. It represented the old way, not the new way. In fact, Paul was so passionate about this. He goes, he said this, he goes, I'll say it again. He goes, you want me to repeat myself? Boys, listen up. This is off. If you are trying to find favor with God by being circumcised, you must obey every regulation in the whole law of Moses. You have to obey all 613. All of the ones that I've listed on the stage in the last three weeks and all the ones that I have not, you got to obey all of them. If you go back to one law, you have to go back to every law. Who would want to do that? Not with a new movement rooted in faith and love. And then he said this, one of the most powerful things that I've ever read in my entire life, almost the foundation for downtown Harbor Church, the last part of this verse, and I think it's so important for us to get this. He said this, for in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. He used the phrase, the only thing that counts. It's faith. Let's talk about faith for a second. Last night, I had a really cool privilege. My wife, Caitlin, who's on shift today at Broward Health in the trauma department. Hopefully, you don't have to see her at some point today. It'd be a bad day for you. Anyway, um, she's over there. Uh, we went to a special event last night. Someone who attends Downtown Harbor Church, um, his mother was turning 90, and he asked us to come and be a part of that. And it was so cool just to meet everybody. And, um, but of course, at the event, everybody knows. Everybody knows that what? I'm the pastor, right? Even though that's not my title at this church. My title's lead communicator. That's what they call me, right? And that's what it is. Um, and just so you know, anybody who might be new around here, the reason my title is not pastor is because every time I told somebody on an airplane what I did, nobody wanted to talk to me anymore. So we took down that barrier as well. But one of the things that we did is we got to sit around a table, and there was a guy sitting next to me, and he asked me a question. He said this. He goes, hey, let me ask you something. And you always know it's going to like faith in the church and stuff at that point. You always know that's where it's going. So he goes, let me ask you something. And Caitlin kind of kicked me on the table. She goes, you all right? I said, I got this. I got this. I've been doing this for years. He was the sweetest, smartest man. I mean, he was so intelligent. And he was like, asked me, he goes, have you ever heard of the web telescope? And I said, no. He goes, what do you do in your spare time? I said, I don't know. Watch the Golden Girls on Hulu. I, I don't know. What do you do in your spare time, right? And I said, so he goes, so he goes, no, the Webb Telescope is this new thing that is discovering that there's like seven, like with 23 zeros, like stars in our galaxy, bigger than we ever thought. We're discovering new planets at all corners of the galaxy and things are happening. And I said, yeah, I see that sometimes on the news, I guess. And he goes, so let me ask you a question. How then? Can this massive creator of the universe boil himself down to one Messiah in one world that would save humanity? Isn't that just too simple? That doesn't make any sense to me. And I said to him, I said, you know something? You're probably going to not understand this response, but I'm going to give it to you anyway. Because I said it from the stage about three weeks ago here at DHC. I said, it doesn't make any sense to me either. I said, I don't get it. But see, adults have been made 
and crafted to understand things with logic. I said, I don't understand all of this, but related to faith, I can tell you this. The only thing that I can tell you is that I said yes at some point in my life to believing that Jesus was the Messiah and, and who he said that he was. So I started following after him and it changed my life. And that's the only thing I can tell you because I don't understand it all. And he stood up. He actually stood up from the table and he goes, well, that wasn't the response I was expecting. And I said, it's the only one I got, boss. And I went back to get something else. And we had a great talk after that. It was so cool, right? But then it says, faith, saying yes to Jesus, right? Make, being made right with God and then expressing itself through what? Love. This new movement, this Jesus movement, all rooted in one thing, love. He goes on and he says, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one commandment. Love your neighbor as yourself. And so in my church experience, I've been taught to do a number of things. And by the way, let me preface, these things that I'm going to mention, they're good things. They're not bad things. In fact, they fill my tank up. They're good. But I've been taught to pray more. I've been taught to come to church more. I've been taught to get the CDs that the band plays and listen to them in my car more. I've been taught to read the scripture more. And I think all of those are good things. But you know what I never was taught in my church experience? To love more. In fact, I have absolutely no memory of being taught to love more. And what's so interesting is that most of our church experiences, those barriers are exactly the opposite of what Jesus said. Because Paul continued in Galatians chapter 5. He said this, he goes, if you bite and devour each other, watch out or you'll be destroyed by each other. And then he said, he goes, you want to look at what a follower of Jesus looks like? You want to look at someone who's expressing their faith through love? Have these characteristics in your life. And he goes, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The reason I breeze through that is because I'm going to come back to it in just a second. You want to talk about the old law and about the local church of today and this Jesus movement? Here's what I want you to know. Much of the old law is still a part of the church today. And oh boy, is it alive and well. And I've seen it, and I've experienced it, and it broke this heart and a number of other people's hearts to launch what we're doing here to remove the barriers between people and God. We call them the old laws 2.0. So I said, what are the old laws 2.0? I said this. When we say laws, we mean barriers. And what are those barriers? Let me just tell you practically about a couple of things that here at Downtown Harbor Church we do not believe in from a very strategic standpoint. Maybe some of you have been here. This one, church membership. We don't believe in it. You'll never see it here, not as long as I'm here. And the reason is, is because this is not a country club where you need to pay a fee to belong to. This is an open place where people can come and show love to each other and share their problems and be a part of a community together. And when I heard for the first time that a church was like a country club, it absolutely destroyed me because it was the, the exact opposite of what Jesus called us to do. We'll never have church membership. It's not something we believe in telling you that the only way you can be a part of us is if you check the boxes and sign your name. We also don't believe in this. We also don't believe in indoctrination. We don't believe that it's our job in this space to force you to believe anything. Our job is simply to educate you about what the scriptures say, and then you choose whether you believe it or not. That's not our business. That is between you and God. 
We don't indoctrinate people. In fact, there are some of us in this room who might even disagree on spiritual issues and what they mean and where they're at, and that is completely okay. And we've said to people throughout our time, if you don't believe what even I believe or what another staff believes or somebody else believes, that's okay. We still want you here anyway. You will always have a place in this room. We also don't believe in this, poor product. I gotta tell you, I've been to a lot of different places and this is not a knock because God's working through those places to reach that subset of people. But we were just like, man, a lot of things stink. There's not good. And so we spend a lot of time on how we're gonna say what we're gonna say. We put a large emphasis on social media and strategy in that way because we want our product to be so strong to represent who God really is. And the last one is the most important to me. It's lack of grace. Here at Downtown Harbor Church, we believe in grace. We know that probably all of us, I did a circle there because I'm including me too, are going to screw up. And we're going to screw up big time. And some of us are going to make really unwise choices. And we always talk about that around here. You should what? Make the wise choice. What is the wise thing to do? But a lot of times, people just come to the place where they just screw up. And you know what a lot of local churches do when people screw up? Gone. See you later. And if you work there, you even get close to it. They give you your walking papers. Out the door. See ya. So Downtown Harbor Church, we just want you to know that no matter where you go, no matter whatever you do, no matter how bad it gets, you will always have a seat at this table. You always have a seat at this table, no matter how bad it gets. And Jesus said this in John chapter 13, verse 35. It's powerful. And this, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. My what? My followers. You're following after my teachings. If you love one another. If you would embrace this movement, you know, in, in constant love, it, it, it's, it's all that it is. It's so simple. I couldn't even get it out. That's how simple it is, right? That love would replace the law. That the law would be here. And that's the old way. And the church in Galatia started to sprinkle the law back in. And Paul goes, don't. Do not do that. You have no idea what that's going to do long term. This has nothing to do with what Jesus called us to do. Don't do that. And the local church of today has done the exact same thing in a different way. That's why at Downtown Harbor Church, you see exactly what we're doing, and we want you right where you're at. So at DHC, one of the things that we always say is that we always go back to the practical. How can you hear a message on Sunday and put it into practice in your life on Monday? What does that look like for you? Well, today's practical. I want to go back to a verse. And I want to unpack it because I think it's so key and so important. And a lot of people will stand up on stages just like this with microphones just like this and tell you how many scripture verses they have memorized. I will just be very blunt. I have some, I don't have a lot. But this was the very first one I learned when I was probably a teenager, maybe even a little bit younger. Because this should represent how we should behave and how we should act as followers of his. This should represent what our life looks like. This should represent how the world sees us. And these emotions, these character traits, these qualities are so powerful and so good that you just can't miss them. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. You a loving person? You love other people? Or are you vengeful? Joy. You wake up joyful in the morning? I know some of you aren't morning people. My wife is not either. In fact, I wake up with way too much joy at 5.30 and she is not happy. I've been backhanded one too many times, okay? But are you joyful? Do you generally walk around with joy in your life? Are you happy to be around? you like other people? Peace. 
Do you strive for peace? Do you strive for those moments of peace with each other? Patience. You're a patient person? I'm not. Work at it every single day. Kindness. You kind? You treat others the way that you would want to be treated? Goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and the last one, which might be the most important, self-control. This is the practical, to act just like this, to let these traits come through our lives, to let the world see Jesus through us. And Paul said, hey, you want to love your neighbor as yourself? You want to have faith be expressed through love? This is what you should look like. Because the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. If we got this right, starting just here, in this room, in a kid's science museum, can you imagine what Fort Lauderdale would begin to look like? Can you imagine what your family would begin to look like if you gave your entire self to your spouse or your kids or your extended family? Can you imagine what your workplace would look like if this just started with you? Can you imagine what our community would look like if we just understood that the only thing that counts was faith expressing itself through love? This is what we have been commanded and called to do. And the example was there when people started to get it wrong. Don't miss this. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Let me pray for us. Father, thanks for who you are and um, just what you're doing in this room. And God, I just, I know that there are people here who were strategically placed here by you today to hear this exact message because they're disenfranchised and the local churches put up barriers. Help us to tear them down. Help us to tear those down so that we can introduce others to who you are and what you do in our lives. And God, above all else, would you help us to love? Help us to experience those fruits. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Help us to get them all so that people can see you through us as we follow after you with everything that we have in our hearts. We pray this today in Jesus' name.